Thanks for listening to the New Revival Podcast. I'm Levi. And I'm Beth. And on today's episode, we have Dave Carmony with the RU Recovery Program. All right. Well, thanks for being here today, Dave. Thank you guys very much. I'm honored to be here and happy and thankful to be. Awesome. Thanks. All right. Uh, so today, as uh, we mentioned in the intro, you're with the RU Recovery. Uh, recovery program, which that stands for Reformers Unanimous, correct? Correct. Okay. All right. And um, I guess before we spoil anything, um, let's start off with um, your, let's just go ahead and get into your testimony. What What is your background here? Well, the reason that I was interested in RU to start with was that I come from a background of addiction myself. Um, starting at the age of 16 years old, I started using drugs recreationally uh, because all of my friends did. That turned into alcoholism and drug abuse for about 33 years. Okay. Uh, What made you start thinking about God? Really after 33 years of living that lifestyle, my body was so beat. Um, I had physical problems. I had mental problems. um, And and I really was getting to the point where I just couldn't take it anymore. Um, In 33 years, no one had actually told me about Jesus. And... uh, I actually saw a YouTube video talking about how to get saved, and one night in my shop working, I just got on my knees and asked Jesus to save me, and that's exactly what he did. That's awesome. That's all it takes. Um, do you remember what you, uh, YouTube video it was? Or? Uh, Trey Smith. I can't remember the exact video, but it was a Trey Smith video. Okay, cool. Uh, I know you had mentioned at church the other day, uh, whenever you were uh, bringing a, the RU program to us, uh, you would mentioned that two Christians had tried to witness to you um, whilst you were in addiction kind of not i'm not sure if it, you would say they turned you away but just kind of well neither one were very effective really okay um the first guy was somebody that i worked with closely and he's a great guy and i appreciate both these guys at this point but at that point i'm not sure that i did i didn't okay. understand because they didn't go far enough yeah the first guy told me i was on a toboggan ride to hell which uh, I saw as amusing. (laughs) I thought that was uh, kind of a funny statement. It was too funny to really take seriously. Um, Like I say, he was a great guy. He wound up giving me a Bible later, which I still have today and I cherish. Um, The second guy was somebody that I worked with, and uh, he he told me that people didn't so much. At at that point, I was about to check into a rehabilitation program for alcohol, and I was going to be gone for like six weeks. So I was telling people that I worked with I was going to be gone. And he told me that people didn't so much have drinking or drug problems as they had God problems. Mm-hmm. But that's as far as he went. He didn't he didn't tell me anything else. So it actually offended me a little bit because I didn't think I had a God problem. I thought I was a good person. Mm-hmm. Um, I had always believed in God. I had always believed in heaven. I had always believed in hell. But I didn't know the details. Nobody told me about Jesus, which is the key point. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so um, while that guy offended me, it was still not effective in, in getting me saved at that point. Okay. Mm-hmm. Did that kind of trigger things and getting you looking? Like, how did you come across that YouTube video? Were, were you searching yourself? Yeah. Um, you know, depression and pain and anguish just go with addiction. And after having addiction problems for that long, I was in a pretty depressed situation mentally. I was watching a lot of videos on things that are wrong with the world, kind of end times things, and that mm-hmm. directed me in, in that light. Um, and you know what? The Trey Smith video was about the afterlife. And he had interviewed a bunch of people that had had near-death experiences. And they all said the same thing. They all either went to heaven or they went to hell. And most of them went to hell. So mm-hmm. there was a guy on there that, that told exactly what you had to do to be saved. And I said, okay, I'm in. Hmm. Wow, that's, uh, cool. that's awesome. That's cool. Uh, something like YouTube can 
work like a track like that. Absolutely. Um, I guess that brings us to today. Um, so our U Recovery Program, uh, which stands, again, for Reformers Unanimous, um, what, what is it? Well, the mission statement for RU is that they're a biblically-based, Christ-centered recovery group designed to rescue, recover, and restore those in addictive behaviors with the power of the victorious hidden life found only in Jesus Christ. Cool mission statement. So it's, it, it's basically a recovery group that um, is designed to rescue, recover, and restore the lives of individuals trapped in addiction. What, is, uh, what do they define as addiction? Well, the simplest definition you'll find for addiction in the dictionary is someone who compulsively uses a substance or engages in a behavior that they know themselves to be harmful. So even though they know they're hurting themselves, even even though they know that they're hurting their loved ones, their family members, their friends, um, they still are powerless to stop it on their own. Okay. Um, what are some types of things that people are addicted to? I know you uh, had a list of things the other day at church whenever you're bringing it to us, that your ministry. Drugs and alcohol are the easy ones that everybody knows, but, um, you know, people get addicted to, like, video games today. Mm-hmm. You, you see kids that have temper tantrums when they can't play their video games. There are grown adults that stay up all night playing video games that have a hard time getting up to go to work the next day because they're they're addicted to that. Um, the Internet and technology, you see people in restaurants, instead of talking with their family and, and doing what's important, everybody's face is stuck in their in their phones. Mm-hmm. Um Pornography is a big one today. Uh, there's all kinds of things. Eating disorders, anorexia, bulimia, all those things RU can help with. Okay, so these are all things that RU has dealt with in the past. Absolutely. And, and this program is meant for all addictions. Yes. And e- even things like depression. While it's not so much an addiction, depressed people can certainly be helped by coming to RU. Mm-hmm. Um, people that are family members or friends of people that are addicted come to RU and get saved through it. So, Okay. Um, I know people don't mean to get addicted i know they don't start off saying hey i'm gonna get a heroin addiction or right yeah nobody um as a child has dreams and hopes and aspirations of being a drug addict or an alcoholic or addicted to anything for that matter um it's a snare that quickly wraps itself around your ankle you might try it once or twice because your friends are doing it and the next thing you know you gotta have it every day and you can't stop using it so um do addicts usually want to stay addicts or like do they try to no, I think most people that are addicted, if you talk to them and they're truthful and honest, um, they'll tell you that they don't like being in that lifestyle. I, I knew that I was hurting people. I didn't like that. I knew that I was hurting myself physically and mentally. I didn't like that. But it's like every day I had to have it just to feel like I could get by. So. Had you tried to stop uh, before? Oh, yeah, hundreds of times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, like I say, I went to a six-week alcohol rehab that worked for a short period of time. Um, I went to AA meetings. I went to NA meetings. I read lots of books. Um, and all those things are based on self-help. They're based on, you know, whether it's 12 steps or whatever, but you're basically doing it yourself, clawing your way to sobriety, and that never worked for me and, and doesn't work for a lot of other people. I know you had some statistics on, he actually said that word right, yeah. on, on addictions <laughs> at church the other night. Do you have any of those with you as far as... Uh, are the the U.S. the county that we're in, um, surrounding counties? I do. Um, in the United States, it's estimated that there are 25 million people that are addicted to drugs and alcohol alone. That's not counting any of the other addictions. 
And for all of those people, there are at least four people whose lives are negatively impacted by their addiction. Mm. So there are about 100 million people in America that are hurting in one form or another because of addiction. I guess you, you, you kind of you forget about those others, the affected. You think about the person more than you typically think about the families and friends of, of the addicts. Exactly. Um, Which really, yeah, really blows those numbers up. Coworkers, employers, there's people all around the addicts that have to deal with it too. So. Um, in Johnson County alone, the CDC says that for every 100 residents, there are 87 active prescriptions just for opiates right now. Um, Bartholomew County is 94 per 100 residents. Morgan County is 110 per 100 residents. And that's not to say that everybody in the county is using opiates. A lot of people have more than one prescription for different mm-hmm. kinds of pills. Yeah, exactly. Um and I, I know you'd also mentioned too that what does an addict typically look like? Because I know it's we have our stereotypical homeless person, um, everything else. But yeah, mo- most people are not like that. They they taught us that eighty percent of act- addicts are very high functioning. Um, I had a, a, a very good income job. I maintain my bills. I have a mortgage. I have a home. I have a family. And I'm like most addicts out there. They're they're hurting for various reasons and using substances to help ease their pain mm-hmm. instead of turning to God. I know there's also high-functioning and low-functioning addicts. Uh, what, what, I mean, would we be able to point one out in the street? or? Well, the other 20% are the guys that are out there, unfortunately, in, in a homeless or a near-homeless situation that are holding up the cardboard signs asking for money. A lot of those people have addiction problems that have just progressed to the point they've burned all the bridges with their families, um, they've been thrown out of their homes. They they can't pay their bills. They can't work anymore. So it is a progressive situation. Mm-hmm. And for people that are on the outside of this listening in, um, I know a lot of them are probably just thinking, why don't they just quit? Like, just don't do it anymore. I know there are physical and mental withdrawals. Can you speak to any of that? Sure. Um, and it is very hard for someone who doesn't themselves have an addiction problem to understand why someone just can't quit. Um, the physical withdrawal symptoms vary from drug to drug, but a lot of drugs, whether it be um, alcohol or opiates or benzodiazepines like the Valium and the Xanax, that kind of thing, they have very strong physical withdrawal symptoms. When the, when the person quits using the drug, they become very ill, and uh, alcohol can actually kill you if you are a hardcore alcoholic and you stop mm-hmm. suddenly you can it's die actually from physically ill it's not just oh i really need this it's they really do this is exactly physically. yeah opiates for an example if you just stop suddenly um typically for five to seven days you'll be as sick as you've ever been it feels like the worst flu you've ever had um constantly in the bathroom no energy whatsoever just dragging it's it's really really hard to get by and it feels like you're dying um, a lot of the addicts that i've talked to and i felt it myself feel like if I have to go through this one more time, I'm not going to survive it. Wow. Um, and this is every time, too. It's not just like when they try to... Right, yeah. Every time... That's why they have to get that Exactly. Next. Every time you're without it, for whatever period of time, um, you know, usually within 24 hours, you're going to be really, really sick. That's why it's so incapacitating is because not only is it they get their fix and they're good as they get their fix and they got to think about how they get their next fix. And it's just, it overtakes their life. Exactly. And, and, and it, you know, it might start out initially as it's fun or it feels good, but it soon becomes the new normal. So when you don't have it, you feel horrible. Oh, so you just got to get back to baseline. You just got to get back to baseline, hmm. get back to normal. 
Um, as far as the mental situation, it's you have persistent and nagging thoughts all the time of, of how am I going to get that? How am I going to get away from here? How am I going to get the money for that? It's constantly on your mind. Um, emotionally, you feel like without it, your life is just going to crumble. You know, if I can't get it, how am I going to go to work tomorrow? How am I going to deal with my wife tomorrow? How am I going to deal with my kids tomorrow? How am I going to, how am I going to exist? How were you introduced to Reformers Anonymous or are you recovery? Well, actually, when I started at Cornerstone Church from the very beginning, um, talking to your dad, I, I told him that I knew because he was the answer for me that Jesus was the answer for people that were hurting from addictions. Um, over the course of time, he had heard about the RU program over in Martinsville. And he and I drove over and saw how it worked. And just to hear the testimony of people's there was amazing. On the way back, I told him, this this is it. This is what I'm talking about. So, Wow. Um, I had a question with that. I'm trying to think of where I was going with it. Um, so you didn't actually – have you gone through the RU program other than visiting? No. Nope. No? Okay. <laughs> I went, went to the training over in Illinois, in Rockford, mm-hmm. Illinois, at the headquarters. Um, but just visiting is the only – Okay. I definitely want to get into that training here. Um, I I know you had mentioned the other day that you were explaining that with the addiction, you were trying to fill this hole and you just couldn't ever get it filled. And then, uh, yeah, people feel like if they can't have whatever their vice is, and I keep going back to opiates or alcohol, but it doesn't matter what the vice is. If people feel like they can't get it, um, that there's a big hole in their heart, there's a big void. And what I found overnight, almost instantaneously, is that Jesus more than fills that hole in your heart. And not only does it fill it and make you feel complete, but there's extra to spill over to share with other people. And it's a joy beyond any drug I've ever ever experienced in my life. That gives me goosebumps just hearing you you say it every time. It really does. Just knowing that I I, I think a lot of times Christians take for granted uh, what they were saved from. I think they forget where they came from and knowing what... A sinner they were, and then uh, it just gives me goosebumps to know that the power's still there. I think Absolutely. especially because you and I, Levi, grew up in church to hear someone who just had a complete radical transformation. It's just so exciting. Like, Jesus is still working. Like, yeah, Jesus is it's enough. super cool. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I hear people saying that the miracles and stuff that you read about in the Bible were for then and not for now. Well, I guarantee they're for now because I see them all the time. Right. That's super cool. And just there's so much power in that. Um, do you remember that Ma- uh, Maddie Montgomery quote about? I can't remember what it was. I sent it to you the other day, but I can't remember what the quote was. A- absolutely, and all along the way, I've seen all these little. It's almost like God talking to me, showing me road signs that I'm on the right path, and that was one of them. He sent me the video. He said that uh, there is no better argument for God's ability to transform the life of an addict than an ex-addict standing in front of them. It is. I mean, you you've been there. I've just something about that power saying, I've been where you are. I, I know that this is tough, but there's a way out. I've, Amen. Yeah, I just, just think that's awesome. Um, so I know you said you visited the RU program in Martinsville. Um, what made you want to start a local chapter here in Trafalgar? I just instantly wanted to share my experience because I know that there are so many other people out there hurting. I, I've had so many friends that are hurting from it over the years. And like I say, I didn't have an effective way to tell them. You know, I could tell them what Jesus did for me, but I can't tell, I couldn't at that point tell them how to do it themselves. So the training has definitely helped with that. And that's what the program is. It's a, it's a structured and organized meeting. It's a discipleship program that uh, its core goal is 
the salvation and the life transformation of the addict, but it gets them reading the Bible, it gets them praying, it gets them going to church, and, and their lives are transformed. And, and the thing is that they don't have to do the work. Jesus does the work. But yeah, makes it a whole lot easier then. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, is are you just a uh, U.S. thing? Is it just a is it just Indiana or like how many? No, it's worldwide. Um, they've actually been expanding in the Philippines quite a bit here lately, but there are almost twelve hundred chapters now around the world. Shoot, okay. what number? At, what number is Trafalgar now? Uh, Trafalgar is chapter number eleven hundred and seventy-one. Eleven hundred seventy-one, so rapidly wow. approaching twelve hundred. Wow. Awesome. Um, how many chapters are there here locally? Like I know you said Martinsville is at the closest one. Is there any here in Johnson County? Well, I just found out that there is actually one in Greenwood on Sheik Road. Okay. Um, I'm not sure the extent of their program there. Mm-hmm. I think it's small, but don't I say don't quote me, but we're on the air. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if you're a huge program. Yeah. Um, there's one in Columbus and, and then Martinsville. Martinsville has a big program at the big church there, the, the Martinsville Tabernacle. How, how big do these programs typically run? I know it kind of varies based off population and everything else, and I'm sure advertising... No. Absolutely. Um, Martinsville told us when we were there that their very first meeting, they had 120 people show up, and oh, they wow. were absolutely overwhelmed. They didn't have enough volunteers. They didn't think it was going to be that big, so um, they were a little bit overwhelmed to start with, and they've had to kind of reorganize and make it bigger. So what, I guess we can kind of get into RU itself, what is the structure of it? Like, I know it's, you said it was every Friday night, correct? Every Friday night, 7 o'clock. And, and what does, a, like, a structurized structured class like if, if it was my if i'm going there this friday for a program what, what would i expect well it, it's given in three sections it's called talk 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 in the first section we talk to god through prayer and testimonies there's an opening prayer uh, we take testimonies from people uh, that are attendees as well as staff for that matter uh, things that you may have worked or things from the bible that's touched you that week little miracles you've seen victories you've gotten um and then the second talk is separated by gender. Males go to one room, females go to the other room. And that's more of a group type setting where it's confidential. People can talk about whatever's on their minds. There's also challenges that are assigned during that group, which are little homework assignments in the Bible. Um, it's people reading the Bible, memorizing the Bible. Um, when they come back the following week, those have to be signed off on by somebody in the staff. And the third talk, um, so the second talk, uh, we talk to each other. The third talk, God talks to us through his word. There's a lesson that's Bible-based on how it deals uh, in one way or another with addiction and living a godly life. Um, and then afterwards, there's a, a fellowship time that's informally called fourth talk, but it's more just everybody kind of hanging out and getting to know each other. It gives people more of an opportunity to talk one-on-one with volunteers and staff members in an informal type setting. Kind of a build the community kind of I guess everybody can kind of commiserate together as far as the the struggles and everything else exactly it's good to meet people that are going through the same thing that you've been through or people that have been through what you're going through okay. and uh, are able to, to steer you in the right direction okay I, I know you said they set, uh, segregate there uh, in the middle uh, male and female do you have a female teacher or are you currently seeking one out currently seeking one I don't have anybody that's uh, specifically okay. stepped up at this point so yeah but I have all the faith in the world that God will provide one. Has <laughs> so far. And you have right. the male teacher, right? Uh, yes. Okay, yeah. and then the, is it the third talk that you said that you do Bible study? Are you going to be leading that, or is somebody else going to be leading that? I'll be leading that. 
Um, and also in the middle, when the two groups split off, if you're a newcomer, if it's your first time, mm -hmm. those folks stay in the first room and, and they watch some introductory type videos and, and learn a little bit things. more about the program. Exactly. Okay. And how long of a program is it? Um, it roughly lasts from 7 to 9.30. That includes the, the fourth talk or the informal fellowship time as well. Now, is there like a set class length? Is it like I know it's not just a, oh, I attended five times and I'm done. Is it? No, pe people can graduate. Um, there is a point system that is based on the challenges as you go through and, and you learn more and you become more and more of a Christian. Mm -hmm. um, at some point, you'll no longer need the program. The idea is not to get people addicted to the program, but addicted to Jesus. Okay. Okay, kind of equipping them to then right. kind of go on go on their own. Exactly, exactly. Will it be ad not advised, but like, would you push for people who are like, quote unquote, graduating to come back as volunteers to help? Right. Do, does, does that happen a lot? Or? Absolutely. I think that's a big part of the program is to get people involved, not only in the program, but also in church, um, volunteering for different church activities, different ministries. Um, the RU headquarters where the initial program started, a lot of the people that work there are graduates of the program. So. That's super cool. And, and you never want to... I think lead people completely out there on their own. I think right. it's important to make contact. And it's been very important to me. The more I abide in Christ, the more I immerse myself in all things Christian, the less likely I am to make a mistake. Kind of like Peter, mm -hmm. uh, as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, he didn't fall in the water. Right, yeah. I guess you kind of like, uh, I guess through the definition alone, kind of showed the difference between RU and other recovery programs around. Um, what is the success rate difference between RU and others? Is that a statistic that anybody knows? Or Well, RU professes to have an 82% success rate, which is actually quite a bit higher than I think you'll find from any of the others. I've heard um, rates as low as 20% success with wow. the other programs. Mm -hmm. And not to downgrade or, or talk badly about those programs, but there are some big differences. Um, primarily those programs... Um, they want to heal the body and the mind, and they don't really take any regard for the spirit. RU kind of looks at it differently as people that are struggling with addictions have a broken spirit. And if you can heal that spirit, the body and the mind will automatically follow. And that's exactly what happened to me. Uh, it didn't happen in the program, but it happened exactly the way the program directs it. Because right. the program itself has, uh, has a goals, and correct me if I'm wrong in the layout of this, I mean, it kind of makes sense. The main goal is salvation. Absolutely. And then to get the, get them praying, get them talking to God and communicating and restore or building up that that relationship, and then get them uh, in in a strong church, get them attending uh, and building their faith. Exactly. Is that, that's kind of the way the program is laid out, right? Absolutely. You know, a, another big difference in the program is that the other programs treat um, addiction as a physical disease, and they tell people that they will always be an addict that they can expect to have relapses and just keep coming back to the program. Um, they typically will tell them that the, the disease is fatal and it's eventually what will kill you. Um, RU tells people that God can, that he does, and that he will heal, he will save, he will transform your life. All things are possible to those who believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just just thinking about that. And it's like a doctor saying, hey, you can take this medicine. It, you know, it's not going to fix anything, but just <laughs> right. go ahead and take this medicine exactly. versus like, oh, I have a cure. Exactly. Um, 
So uh, tell us a little bit about your training. You said it was in was it Rockford, Illinois? It was. It was because um, that's where uh, RU was founded, correct? Correct. It, okay. it started there in 1995. The training was um, it was actually a very intensive program that that basically taught people how to minister to the addictive, which is um, I think their overall philosophy they'd tell you is Second Corinthians two twenty four through twenty six. Which I don't have my phone on me. <laughs> yeah, uh, what was that again? Um, something along the lines of all servants of God must not strive. And I always thought strive to be a good word, like striving to achieve something. But in this case, it's strife that they have to be patient and in meekness, instructing those who oppose themselves. And the addicts truly do oppose themselves. They don't want to be doing what they're doing. They don't want to be hurting people, but they can't stop on their own. Was that the Second Timothy two? Second Timothy, yes. I'll look it up. Exactly, very I'll let her. I'll let her look it up. Now, while she's looking that up, I heard you got to meet somebody cool over there in uh, Rockford, <laughs> Illinois. That's I, I love that story. It just seems cool. Yes, yeah, I, cool. I did. Um, that was another one of the little road signs. The, the way God talks to me. Um, I was actually feeling pretty overwhelmed because the training was very intensive, and I was surrounded there by people that were pastors or had degrees in theology, and they kept asking me, "Are you a pastor?" Nope. Are you a youth leader? Nope. <laughs> I'm just a guy that was an addict and an alcoholic, and I want to help other people find Christ. Um, but I went to a David Crowder show while I was over there, and, and it was funny because the, the training ran really late. It was like 9.30 at night, and I was ready to go home. I was tired. I was feeling overwhelmed. I was kind of feeling like, God, are you sure you got the right guy for this? Yeah. Um, but I decided to go to the show anyway, which was almost over. I just caught the tail end of it. But... Um, he stopped in the middle of the show and he told a random story. He even apologized for telling the story. He said, I don't know why I'm telling this story. It just came to me to tell it, so I hope it means something to somebody. It was a long story about a vacation that he and his wife went on, and the moral of the story was that God always uses the least likely of us to accomplish his good means. So, And he even said, wherever you're at geographically, which I was away from home, yeah. whatever you're doing with your life is because you're exactly in the spot that God wants you in. And that meant so much to me. Everybody else was clapping and, and laughing because the story was kind of funny, but I had tears running down my cheeks. Oh, yeah, because you're like, <laughs> yeah. he's, talking, he's talking about me right exactly, now. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So, and then after the show, I actually met him out by the bus. I, I thought, I need to tell this guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I go out to the bus, and it was cold, and it was snowing, and um, nobody else was around. I thought, ah, I'll just go on home. I'm tired. Here he comes walking out the door. So I, I shook his hand and met him, and, and I told him, I said, hey, that story, I just got to tell you the story that you told. I'm the guy that you were talking to. And, and I told him why. And uh, he told me that that meant so much to him that I'd shared that with him because he and the band had had kind of a bad day and nothing nothing went well. And he said that made the whole day for him. Oh, so wow, got to encourage each other. He encouraged me. I encouraged him, I think. And, and, and it was God working. That's just cool. Uh, those little affirmations throughout the whole process, that's just Absolutely. awesome knowing that you're on the right path there. That's really cool. Um, yeah, I did find it. So that Second Timothy two twenty four through twenty six. I'm reading from the ESV. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently endure. Sorry, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. And I think the important things to, to note there towards the end of that are that 
It's God that grants the repentance to the acknowledgement of the truth. And Jesus is the truth, the way, and the life. Mm -hmm. And he's also the truth that sets us free. And notice there, too, that it's the devil that ensnares them by his will. It's not the people's will. Nobody wills to be an addict or an alcoholic. It's the devil's will. Yeah. yeah. So all those things, after kind of meditating on them, mean a lot to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that whole saving power is nothing that we've done. It's by his grace that we're saved. Yes, sir. I love everything about this conversation so far. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, side note. Okay, so I thought that David Crowder was there to do a show for you guys. Was he just there local and you yeah, he, went? Yeah, he was just doing a show in uh, Rockford, Illinois oh. on the Friday night, the last night of the training. Okay. I, I got a ticket way before the training oh. thinking I would go to the show and I was kind of excited about it. But after being so overwhelmed and tired throughout the training, um, you know, I, I was thinking... I should probably just go home and go to bed, but right. <laughs> some, something told me there's probably something there you need to hear. So. <laughs> that's yeah. cool. That that's cool. That's cool that you, stu- for me. that you had that feeling too, and then we were able to stick it out and be able Absolutely. to encourage him and the band. Absolutely. Uh, where are we going to go here next? Um, how has your family reacted to your transformation of uh, just, just your whole life transformation? Well, in general, everyone's very pleased. Um, you know, my wife's excited and happy and proud. My kids, um, I think, are a little bit indifferent because I was one of those higher-functioning people. You okay. know, I wasn't somebody that was getting in trouble. I never got arrested. I never went to jail. I never mm-hmm. got a DUI. I never lost a job. I wasn't violent or angry in any way. I was just an addict, and that's what they knew. So um, they're grown and moved out now, and I don't yeah. see them as much, but, but I'm sure they're happy as well. My parents are thrilled. Um, you know, in, in general, it's a very good thing all around. Okay. And how has your wife, Kim, um, responded to you uh, starting this RU chapter? I know it's a, a huge time commitment and everything else. Well, she, she's actually, she's very proud. Um, she's a little bit concerned. Um, after I got saved, it's like everything in my life changed. Prior to that, I had a 70-hour-a-week high-stress job. That went away. It's like my whole life is kind of being rearranged to do this I believe yeah um, so e- even though I'm spending some hours on this I work less now I have a less stressful life so it, it should work out I, th- I think she's concerned that there may be some stress that comes in with it but yeah so right. far so good I'm, I'm letting God do all the work and he's leading me all the way right. cool um, what are some of your overall goals for the program I know to get it running first off right <laughs> <laughs> well Feb- February 1st is our first actual meeting um, we've got training coming up this month on the 11th 12th and 13th and um, the initial goal is to have enough volunteers to, to staff it the way that it, it should be um, and just to see it grow. I think my reward is going to be seeing people's lives transformed, seeing, seeing people healed and saved and, and come to freedom through Christ just like I did. To me, that's you know could be nothing better. Okay, and this is all happening at the Lord's Locker Community Building in Trafalgar. What's the address? There's right. a 106? 106 East Pearl, East Street, Pearl Street, Trafalgar, 46181. Okay, and you said the first meeting was February? February 1st, 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock, okay. And what kind of, uh, like, what can the church do to help you in your ministry? If there's a local church or anybody online that wants to find, find a way to support you? I think the main thing um, is getting the word out there, letting people know that we exist. Um, you know, as I've gone around and talked to different groups, I've been asking how many people in the audience know someone 
whether it's themselves or a friend or a family member or a coworker that has problems with addiction, almost every group, almost everyone raises their hands. There might be one or two that don't, but almost everybody does. So just let those people know that it, that it exists. Um, I've got lots of promotional materials that I'd be happy to, to give to churches, um, to give to whoever needs them. Just, just let people know we're out there. I know you're going to need, uh, especially if you're expecting as many people as could potentially be there, what kind of uh, volunteers are are we looking at here? Well, you know, it, it's really hard to say at this point because yeah. we don't know how many people will show up. Um, I'm the director. I have an assistant director. Um, we need somebody, for example, for transportation. Some of these folks don't have cars or driver's licenses but will want to come, so... That's a problem. How are you going to get them there? We need somebody to go pick them up. Mm-hmm. We need people to uh, be at the door to greet people and just shake their hands and make them feel welcome. Typically, when people are going into a new situation, whether that be church or a rehabilitation-type situation, they're scared to death. So they just need to know that it's a place where they're welcome, where they're loved, where there's no animosity, there's no condemnation, there's no shame. Um, we're literally just there to help. We need people to work the registration table to to get the information of the attendees. We need people to work the um, resource table where we have the different curriculum that's available to the people. So. Okay. Um, so this is a combination of a couple of different local churches. So since in, being in a rural community, we have, we're mostly comprised of a bunch of small churches of like faith that are kind of coming together and helping as far as getting come, some of the, the main framework of volunteers. Right, the... The cornerstone is the sponsoring church, and then the Lord's Locker, obviously, is the, the big sponsor where the event's going to be held at. Um, Fellowship Baptist, um, Jeff Hobson, the pastor there, he's going to be helping. Uh, there are a couple other volunteers from there that'll that'll be on staff. Um, and then different board members from the Lord's Locker, they all go to different churches, so they're trying to get the words out in, in those churches, too, and, and ask for volunteers and help. What are some of the benefits of having it hosted at the Lord's Locker versus at a church? Well, most of them are actually at a church, the Lord's Locker. Um, Emily Butler, just she had it on her heart for the locker to start some sort of program for the addicted. I think that she saw that the people that use the Lord's Locker as a resource, a lot of them, either them or their family members, have addiction problems, which is part of why they're probably coming there to start with. Mm-hmm. So. She didn't know my history or my past at all, but she had it on her heart to start some kind of program for the addicted. She had talked to your dad about it. Your dad knew my past, so it just it all came together. And that's that's really one of the the miracles that I've enjoyed seeing is that it, this has not been me at all. I've not done anything to initiate any of it. Just literally step by step by step has been laid out in front of me by God, and, and I just keep taking the next step in faith and. Um, if I have nothing else, I have faith. <laughs> do you think having it at the Lord's Locker will help you or hurt you with volunteers? Like, do you think since it's at, like, a more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, not at a specific church. Like, people from other churches would, like, if we had it at our church, like, oh, someone from this church might right. be afraid to come volunteer. But now, since it's there, it's more of, like, a central location. Absolutely. I think that'll be a good thing. And I think another benefit is that a lot of these folks that are addicted probably haven't been to church before. I, I know I'd been a handful of times over my life for mm-hmm. weddings or, or, or whatever, um, but I'd never been one who attended church, and I think most people that have addiction issues probably aren't either. 
Um, and going into church for those folks is a very scary thing. Mm-hmm. The first time I walked through the doors at Cornerstone, I was I was scared to death. So we're a scary crowd. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so thankful and grateful to everyone there because everybody made me feel so welcome and so at home, and, and it was just perfect. But um, I think being at a place that's not church specifically probably will be a little bit easier for folks to come to. And like you said, Beth, it'll be easier to get people from other churches in the community to volunteer as well. Now, you first came to our church, uh, if I remember right, the first time you came was Willie Davenport was uh, starting his uh, music ministry, and he was coming right. and put on a concert there. What's your connection with uh, with him? Well, that's another interesting story. Okay, <laughs> cool. I like interesting stories. I like, I like Willie Davenport, I like too. So, <laughs> Since I've been saved, that, that has been my truly my biggest joy, is watching all these little miracles happen in and around my life and I, I see them all the time I try to always keep my eyes open for them but but literally the morning after I was saved I get a call from Willie Davenport who is not someone that I really knew um, about a year prior his house had caught on fire that's how the story starts <laughs> um, I worked on guitars as a side business in addition to working a full-time job I had a side business where I, I built and, and did guitar repairs Willie had a couple guitars that had some smoke damage from this fire and he had a restoration company that was working on all of his furniture and getting everything back to normal. He had asked them to ship these guitars to some big fancy factory somewhere to have them fixed. Well, instead, somehow, they found me. <laughs> they I called think I've me. heard Willie say just, it was his insurance just found somehow, you and yeah. you were local. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he, he was actually upset about it because he, he thought they needed to go somewhere big and fancy, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So I wind up with his guitars. I fix them for him. I'd only talked to him on the phone once or twice. I met him in person once, just very briefly, you know, giving him back his guitars or whatever. Um, but I didn't really know him at all. So the day after I'm saved, a year after all this happened, I get a call from Willie Davenport say, hey, I'm going to be playing at Cornerstone Church in Trafalgar next week. Would you care to come watch me? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, and I, I haven't left since, and that's how I, I, I came to I don't know Christmas. if you've missed a Sunday other than whenever you and you and your wife are on your tour of the world uh, <laughs> adventure. Yeah, we went on a big vacation in the fall, but, um, you know, Willie tells that story even today, I believe, as he's out on the road. He, he tells people that, um, you know, talking about sometimes bad things happen to us that turn out for God's good. They, they always do. Everything works out for God's good purposes, and... When his house caught on fire, he had no idea that that would get somebody going to church in the long run, but that's the way it worked out. So, And honestly, every time I, which, I mean, it's not like I see or talk to Willie often, but every time I do, he's always like, hey, is Dave still there? How's he doing? <laughs> We're like, he's great. So we're still most there. faithful people. So. I knew there was a connection there, but I never asked, and I'm glad I did, because that's really cool. So that was it. Awesome. Um, so what are some financial needs that... Um, you have for RU because I know there's materials and everything else. I know a lot of it's volunteer based, but as there curriculums or do the students buy the curriculum? There, there are different books that are available. One of the things is a it's called it the It's Personal Daily Journal. It's a journal that helps people to read the Bible in an organized fashion. Um, you read that day's proverbs. You take notes. Um, you pray. You take notes. Um, there are different things that it asks you or um, I guess, cues you to pray about. You pray about them and take notes. You read another passage from the Bible, you take notes. And then there are meditation cards in the back that you can tear out and carry with you your whole day. So if you have questions or, 
or just things that you need to meditate on. You've got that card with you the whole day. You can pull it out of your pocket and look at it. That's one of the items that, that's very recommended for people. Um, there are some textbooks. There are some workbooks. None of them are very expensive. Um, each one might be $10, $15, which a couple different things. One, if you compare to most rehab programs, which are thousands of dollars, um, this might cost you 70 or 80 over the course of a year instead of thousands of dollars for a week or two weeks. Um, the other thing is that if people invest a little bit of their own personal money, they're, they're going to be more invested in it mentally. Yeah, there's a little bit more of a commitment if they have some skin in the game. Yeah, they they said with the program initially, their their initial thought was just to give things to people, and, and that's what we want to do oftentimes as Christians. But a lot of times when you give people all this stuff, they're a little bit overwhelmed. They don't value it. They take it home, and you never see them again. But if people have a little bit of skin in the game, like you say, um, they're a little more apt to actually use them and come back. Um, the other thing is that if you're not buying the alcohol, and, and I used to you know, spend probably 10 to $15 a day just on alcohol. Um, drugs, I won't even tell you how much I spent on those. But um, So you should have a little extra money in your pocket. Yeah, if you're not spending <laughs> on that, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's like getting a raise. So th- I know you said earlier, like, there's homework every week. Is that homework included in that curriculum? Like, do they have to, or is that, how does that work? No, the, the curriculum is more just study material for um, for the classes, for the, the third talk type part of the lesson. Um, the homework is really based in the Bible. It, it, you know, this week's might be read the first ten Psalms and okay. come back and tell somebody about them, and we'll sign off oh, on them. Lots easy um, enough. <laughs> it gets more progressive as you go on in the program, and you get more points. Towards the end, it might be write an essay on First John, you know, and what that what it means to you, okay. that kind of thing. So. Yeah, it sounds really well script, well, well structured, and like you said, progressional throughout. I, I think a book like that would be helpful for. Helpful for a lot of new Christians. and mm-hmm. Absolutely. It, the way it started, there was a guy named Steve Carrington, and, and it started in 1995, but, but his story is actually pretty pretty neat, too, and I can relate to him in a lot of ways. He was a pastor's son. He was going to go to Bible college, but he decided to take a year off and just explore the world. Um, he met the wrong crowd, he started using alcohol and drugs, and it quickly spiraled out of hand, and he was... 10 years in the world, um, basically on a, on a 10-year alcohol and drug binge. Um, that culminated in him crashing his car into a house. Oh. <laughs> um, he was in the hospital for a long time recovering. Uh, a lady heard the crash. She came outside. She thought he was dead. She called 911. The police and fire came and cut him out of the car, took him to the hospital. He said he was amazed because none of his addict buddies came to visit him in the hospital. The only person that did was an old Sunday school teacher who brought him a Bible. Mm. He starts reading the Bible. He realizes uh, Jesus, the way and the truth and the life, is also the truth that sets you free. It's the same mm-hmm. truth. And uh, that got him fascinated, got him studying. He was healed very much like I was. Um, he gets out of the hospital. He goes to his pastor and says, I know Jesus is the answer for people that are hurting from addictions, just like I did. And uh, together he and his pastor started developing this curriculum over the the 20 years or so it's it's been going it's it's just gotten better and better and more and more so that's cool it's a young program too i mean you think 95 right. I mean, it's just well okay i guess it's a little bit longer than i think but <laughs> it's still it's young especially considering uh, all the other programs that are sure. out there that have been around there for a while um what are 
I know you said that there's that fourth talk there at the end where they mm-hmm. usually have snacks and kind of fellowship that right. way. Is that uh, so, does somebody volunteer to bring those or? Well, I volunteered my wife. Okay. <laughs> I want to be there because your wife makes amazing snacks. <laughs> well, thank yeah. you. Yeah, she um, makes those pumpkin bars. I'll be there every she week. Does, she does. <laughs> um, she's going to be taking care of that. We're we're going to take up a, a donation from attendees every week. Um, you know, and, and we don't ask for a lot of money, but but that's what that goes towards. It goes towards helping us provide food and snacks for people in the fellowship time. Um, and then all of the curriculum, you mentioned people paying for the curriculum, all of that money just goes to restore the curriculum that was bought. So okay. the Lord's Locker made the initial investment in getting all of the initial uh, things that we need for people. And from there on, hopefully the program pays for itself. That's that's the design anyways. If, if a church wanted to come alongside or an individual wanted to come alongside and help you out with that, could they buy curriculum or snacks or something like that sure yeah that would be awesome um we'd be happy to have any donations but whether it's time or money or, or whatever uh then at our church at cornerstone on january oh, i'm sorry i guess it's not at our church um where i guess i guess that's the first question where will the train the ru trainer be january 11th through the 13th well it's going to be um on the 11th and 12th it'll be at the lord's 12th, locker okay. It's Benjamin Burks. He's the director of RU International. He's the the head guy with the program right now. He'll be coming down. And on the 11th, there will be a mock meeting for volunteers just so people can see what a meeting's supposed to look like, how it's supposed to flow, uh, how the different sessions work. On the 12th at the Lord's Locker from 1 to 5, he'll be having more of a sit-down classroom-type training, um, just helping people understand how how to minister to uh, the addicted and, and how we heal the, the spirit and the body and mind follow because I don't think everybody's too used to that. Um, and then that Second Timothy 2, 24 through 26 that Beth read, you know, a lot of people, their experience with addiction is it, it just makes them angry. They, uh, they don't understand it. They don't understand why people can't quit. Um, I think a lot of people think, well, you know, if you don't have value for your life, why should I? And, and there's always the tough love philosophy, kick them out, throw them out, um, don't enable them. That's not so much what the Bible says. The Bible says to have patience and to be meek and to, to be apt to teach. And to, that's the way to help people that oppose themselves. So that's the kind of things he'll be teaching us on the, the 12th. And then on the 13th at 630 at night, he will be speaking at Cornerstone Church there. Okay. Now, if somebody ha- is suffering from addiction or know someone that is suffering from addiction, how would you best recommend to them a way to uh, introduce the program to them? Well, and I know that's a tricky thing too. Um, some people that are in addiction, I mean, I did it for 33 years. Um, some people don't want to accept that they actually have a problem. And it's it's kind of tricky. It can be like being in a special forces unit and you're going behind enemy lines to rescue prisoners of war and they're not sure they want to leave. <laughs> yeah. So um, the thing is, you just have to be gentle with them. You have to let them know that the program exists. You have to, uh, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people, a lot of times, they have to get to their rock bottom, whatever mm-hmm. that might be, whether that's, you know, the crushing mental depression or a physical ailment. Um, unfortunately, a lot of people don't figure it out until it's too late, and they've burnt the bridges with their family. So. Mm-hmm. I guess just let them know that you love them. Let them know that you care. You're not trying to step on their toes. You're not trying to be harsh. But here's a program that, that might help you transform your life. Now, is there a sign-up phase, or are walk-ins welcome? Or Yeah, walk-ins are welcome every every Friday night, 7 o'clock. 
Okay. If you're struggling with whatever addiction, just be there, and, and I promise we can help. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Um, what about contact information? Like, how can somebody that wants to volunteer or um, wants to help or wants to donate or something like that, how can they get in touch with you? Well, my email is Dave Carmony, C A R M O N Y, at gmail.com. Or my phone number is my, my cell phone is 317-319-0125. Whether somebody's interested in volunteering or, or somebody wants more information about the program, I'd, I'd be happy to, to help anybody any way I can. And you have a Facebook page set up too, right? We do. We, we've set up um, on Facebook. They can search for RU Recovery Trafalgar, and it'll bring up our page. Um, it does list the training events there. That page is, is going to primarily be for attendees in the future where they can see what's going on, see what's coming up. Um, they, you know, they can comment and share their victories and, and things that they've done through the week. So, how can people? Is that the best way that people can stay up to date on the program and how everything's going is through your Facebook page? Yeah, I think, I think that would probably be best. Just RU Trafalgar or RU Recovery Trafalgar if you search, search that on we'll Facebook. We'll try a link to it on our Facebook page too. Very so. good. I appreciate that very much. Okay. And what about volunteers? I know that uh, some people may not be able to commit to every Friday or is it okay if people can come and just help for maybe once a month or just... You know, that's okay. I, I personally am committed to being there every Friday. Um, and I think that it's important for the group leaders, the challenge group leaders, the male and the female. I'm hoping that we find somebody in each of those that's going to be there every Friday because I think that's important for people to, to see the same face every week when mm-hmm. you're talking about confidential stuff yeah, and definitely. feeling comfortable. But um, anybody else, you know, just, just let me know. I'm, I'm happy to have all the help I can get whenever you can give, and I appreciate it very much. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here and talking to us about it. Thank um, you. Yeah, is there anything else that we missed or questions that you think would be uh, should should be asked or should be answered? Or I think we've pretty much covered it, and, and I sincerely appreciate you guys having me. Thank you very much. Yeah, no problem. We'll link to, um, like Beth said, we'll link to your Facebook page and uh, other contact information. Um, if anybody else has any more questions, they can also email us at newrevivalpodcast at gmail.com or uh, comment down below. And uh, thanks again for so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the New Revival Podcast. It was great having Dave on. And to stay up to date on his ministry or to learn more about the RU program, uh, be sure to check him out on their social media, which will be linked down in the description. Yeah, also be sure to check out our social media. We are at New Revival Podcast. And be sure to share it with your friends as well. Thanks so much for listening.